any young kids that are or young teenagers or adults that are listening to this, everyone should go into some type of hospitality sometime in their life to understand what hospitality really means. And and I think it kind of forms us in a way where we not only become cognizant of the people around us and what we're here to serve, whatever it is, whether it's food for a restaurant or me planning events or the concierge at a hotel or what have you. I think people really need to really get a little taste of that in their life. Rockstars, if you're looking to up-level your operation across the board, check out the Restaurant Academy at restaurantrockstars.com. It includes everything to deliver true hospitality to your guests, to instill leadership, teamwork, and respect amongst your team to build what I call the dream team and teach them how to serve and sell, as well as dialing your restaurant's finances for maximum profit. Best of all, you can assign any of the material to your team that gives you the exit strategy because it's teaching them how to run your business and run it as if they owned it. So check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. My guest today, Sophia Krokos, is an event planning maven. It's incredible the attention to detail and the level of hospitality that goes into serving clients at the highest level. There's so much we can learn from Sophia's approach as one of the leading event planners in the Hamptons and New York City. Besides that, she is also the co-owner of a Greek restaurant. Yes, Sophia is of Greek origin and the heritage and the traditions and the amazing food and, of course, the hospitality is evident. There are so many key nuggets and so key learnings that we can apply to our own restaurants today, so you're not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks so much to our sponsors this week. On with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Listen, when I ran restaurants, I had my core values, the things most important to how I ran my restaurants, monitoring daily operations, training my team for consistently great guest experiences, food safety, quality assurance, and preventative maintenance. All this took a system. Well, here's what Xenia can do. Xenia gives you a modern app, really an operational base camp that scales standard operating procedures, trains your team, controls operations, and even manages food safety. Now, I really like their sensors that continuously monitor temperature for fridges and freezers so you can proactively prevent inventory losses. Now, how valuable is that? Now, whether managing a single or multiple locations, the Xenia app helps you ensure consistency, compliance, and accountability across your operation. You can see full detail in real time from anywhere in your Xenia dashboard with automated reports right to your inbox. Now, again, this was vital in my restaurants. Now, until September 7th, Xenia is offering my listeners 20% off. Xenia starts at just $69 per month per location. So get my special deal at www.xenia.team slash rockstars. Xenia is spelled X-E-N-I-A. Rockstars, there are many elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with diners enough and with the right message? Could your kitchen be putting out more orders than your dining areas have room for? Well, it can be overwhelming, especially when the reason you got into this business is for the food and the people. That's why restaurants get Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the marketing tech platform designed to make growing your restaurant easy, so you don't have to grow it alone. 
With Pop Menu, you can capture more guests and their preferences through your restaurant's website that's designed to easily collect contact information and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. Connect and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that personalizes marketing. Make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of your restaurant's digital presence. Pop Menu has a special offer for my listeners. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstar. Sophia, how are you today? So glad you're here. I'm doing fantastic. It's a beautiful day in New York City. So thank you for having me. Wow. What a vibrant city. Have you lived there for a long, long time? I born and raised in Brooklyn. um, And um, right now my primary home is in Sag Harbor out in the Hamptons. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do come in, you know, I I actually travel back and forth because of work, um, you know, stuff that, you know, needs my attention, needs me to be present here in New York City. And so here I am. Now you have Greek heritage. Is that correct? I am Greek full on. Yes. My parents born and raised there. So I'm first generation here. Um, but seriously, my soul is so Greek because it was important for my parents when they were raising us that our um, first language would be Greek. And, um, and so I'm so thankful that they stuck to that. Well, you know, there's so much about the culture that I can appreciate. I have had the opportunity to visit Greece twice in my life. The first time I was in graduate school, I lived in Milan, Italy for the summer, and I absolutely had to get to Athens and the Cycladic Islands. And mm-hmm. so what an eye-opener that was, just the spectacular beauty and the sunsets. But the culture is mm-hmm. so much about the friendliness of the people and the food and the traditions mm-hmm. and the local ingredients and even the wines. Like everything yes. about Greek culture <laughs> is all part of this lifestyle. And it's about celebration of life, celebration of people and friends and family. And the food is such a huge aspect. So we'll talk about that. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of influences there with your restaurant. But let's talk yes. about where it all began for you. Take us back as far away when you suddenly discovered the word hospitality or a vocation called hospitality mm-hmm. and, and look at where it's led you. So we want to know where did it start and tell us everything mm-hmm. that's happened in between. My goodness. I know we only have an hour, but I can talk for hours about this. <laughs> so I was, I'm very fortunate in so many ways because I am from a family that a loves to cook, B um, loves to gather, C loves to, you know, fight, but in a good way, meaning like, cause we're very passionate, you know? Um, and so cooking for me was sort of like one of my first intros to hospitality. And so, you know, from my grandmother, when she was making galactoburico, which I know is a mouthful to say, but it is a, a I couldn't dessert. pronounce that, but go yeah. <laughs> it's a dessert. It's a cut. It's a delicious milk custard vanilla um, dessert. Uh, that's, you know, that's in filo with the, you know, the honey yeah. syrup and the whole nine sure. yards. Okay. And, Beautiful. um, and so from that to my mom's cooking to even my dad's cooking. Um, and then we all were like in the kitchen somehow, somewhere, you know, where it was, whether it was siblings or even visiting aunts and uncles homes and, and then uh, <clears throat> primarily going to Greece from like the age of three, um, uh, spending summers in my dad's village and seeing my grandfather bring home what truly I believe is farm to table because of <clears throat> the beauty of every vegetable didn't have the perfect shape or the f- perfect color, right? They all had sort of odd shapes and the crispiness, I remember, or the 
the crispy, the crispness rather of the cucumber and, and figs and even like going to the um, almond and walnut trees that my mom would visit. And we would just like literally, you know, raise our hand and just pick one of those babies and crack it open. So the purity of that, the beauty of that and the simplicity of the base of olive oil being the base basically, and then everything else around it, you know, that hit my palate at a very young age. And so as, you know, years went by and, and, um, helping mom in the kitchen, setting the table, wanting to have the great atmosphere. I mean, that was like embedded in me, like from, again, like probably my early childhood years until like my teens. And then my love for, you know, fashion came, um, through, um, and even though my dad wanted, wanted me to be in business and I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. I'm not going into economics. And even though I did temper with it, I was frustrated being in that first year of university. And I'm like, I need, I'm a creator. I'm an artist. You know, I'm like, I can't express any of this stuff. Number crunching and, you know, economics was giving me like hives. And so, and so basically I said, okay, I've got to break out of this. And so I did. So I went to FIT, studied fashion and um, fell in love with it. I mean, I was already collecting the Vogue magazines and the Women's Wear Daily and on the W magazines and everything else out there and just like in awe of the whole fashion world. So I graduated from there. I did a summer semester over in Europe. Um, And then from there, basically, it all kind of began. I stayed in fashion for about seven years. uh, And then came this sort of moment in my life where I wanted more. I felt like this wasn't enough. You know, I was what I call a frustrated artist in a sense of like, I couldn't sketch for the life of me. So my specialty or, you know, at the time what I was studying was marketing and, and, uh, and sales in the fashion arena. And so I had the opportunity to work for some great designers, but I, I just needed to express my, my art in some other form or shape. And so here I was and like I said, seven or eight years after being in the fashion world where I then, you know, got introduced to the wedding industry. And I'm like, what, what's going on in here? I'm like, is this really what I'm going to sort of start doing? Like planning weddings and or other, you know, special events. And it's not that it wasn't talking to me. I was like actually getting excited because I'm saying, wow, I've kind of been doing that for quite some time now. Like, helping friends with wedding planning. Um, you know, like I said, from, you know, young age, you know, being in the kitchen, setting the table, doing, you know, making sure the lighting was great, making sure the music was perfect. Um, so that was already in me. So the seed had already been planted. And so here I was then naming my company the first time on which means in Greek, you know, to bloom, right? So, um, on nice. events was, was my first um, sort of company naming. And it made sense because I said, I want to take that seed, whose ever seed that is, and make it bloom, make it happen. So that's what, you know, sort of occurred. And I met this wonderful woman woman at the time who um, I actually was a friend of a, another floral designer that I knew and said, let her talk to you about this business. And I said, great. And she saw I had this thirst for life and thirst for, you know, parties and creating magic. And so she gave me my first gig 
and eight months after of like this researching and and what have you, I started into this, you know, um, wedding and event industry world. And, um, and I quickly learned a lot of things. And it took me to some interesting places with some great clients. And, and then the story just keeps going. I don't know if you want me to keep going. So I want to let you have also your moment of asking me questions. So um, <laughs> that's a really great foundation. So it sounds like that one opportunity, <laughs> then the light bulb went off and you're like, wow, I can do this. I'm creative. I have an eye for detail. I can work with, you know, a discerning clientele and I can put on mm-hmm. these spectacular events and I'm just going to leverage all of those strengths and just grow this company. And you just started to start it. And then, Mm -hmm. well, then where did your first, besides that first wedding, where did the first clients come from? Did you have to go out and literally find these clients? Did you market for clients? Did reputation precede you based on that first event? Tell us how, how did the company grow and and gain a following and notoriety? So, yes. So I was lucky to, again, continue this relationship that I had with that woman who I got that introduction from that floral designer, mm-hmm. um, who again, saw this thirst thought, saw this like hunger of like, I'm ready to take this on. And mind you, Roger, you know, when I started this, I was kind of the young ones out there on the East end, you know, because they, you know, we had the, at the time the Colin Cowie, Marcy Bloom, Harry Katz's of the world, which had already started, you know, the sure. the, the road basically yeah. to event planning. And here I was, hi, I'm like 28, 29 years old. I'm like, I've arrived. And so, um, and so I did. And and Wendy, the woman who again was sort of my fairy godmother, as I've said many of times in some interviews, gave me my first opportunity. Um, and this client happened to be a bride and groom and they were for bed, they were from Bedford, I believe. Um, and so the first event for me was tent, a tented event. And I had no freaking idea what a tented event meant, like what yes. the, the logistics and the build outs that had to happen. And so from there, you know, I rolled up the sleeves and, you know, here I am showing up with heels, you know, thinking like, oh, I'm supposed to be this, you know, party planner. I'm supposed to look great, but. It was grueling, you know, in a sense of like the work that goes behind the scenes and For sure. yeah, and how many hours you're on your feet. So I learned very quickly that high heels were not going to be part of the agenda unless, you know, it called for, for maybe an hour in between. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I just jumped right in and from there, whether it was Wendy or if it was, you know, some other, you know, um, uh, vendors that I was starting to form relationships where they were starting to kind of feed the clients to me because they're like, Oh my God, you have to meet Sophia. You have to like check her out and what have you. And so it really began from, you know, reputation, word of mouth. And, and again, just sort of, I think the manifesting part too, because I said, I'm going to go into this industry, but I really want to you know really deal with luxury events um and and i was very selective and yet not because you're starting out so you can't just be like well i don't want to take you i was taking whatever i could of course however however with a that was your goal Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yep yeah why not shoot for the stars and do whatever it takes to get there but i mean exactly that's a story for a lot of restaurateurs as well they start out with a Uh, humble idea and if it's successful it's like okay how can i grow this how can i scale this how can i go from one to two to ten how can i franchise Mm -hmm. it not everyone has that mindset some people are really happy having their independent restaurant that's successful 
but there is a competitive aspect to it. There is a, you know, um, this isn't enough for me. What's the next thing? And let's mm-hmm. keep building. And that definitely sounds like you for sure. And, and mm-hmm. the details that are involved here. But let's go mm-hmm. back to the staffing because you had that first event that was a referral. And now suddenly you needed help to pull this off. Did you Absolutely. just tap into friends and family and network and say, you're going to do this and you're going to do this? Or did you subcontract out parts of it? Like, tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, that's a logistics thing in building a business. Absolutely. So yes, family and friends had to come in handy initially, right? Because yeah. here, here I am, I'm young, I'm, I'm starting something that I started to really love even more and believed in. And so, um, I wasn't at that stage yet to start putting ads out, right? Because I said, look, let me let me get the ball going. Let me feel this out. And then we we will build from there. And so, yes, friends and, fr- and family came in very handy and lovingly to assist where needed. And of course, I knew and 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 found out very quickly that there's no way I can do any of these events solo. Like that's crazy. Um, so I, yeah, whoever was available. I took on and I made it happen and I wanted to make sure that everything was not like not everything, but you know, nothing would be missed, right? Everything would go flawlessly. And it wasn't just, you know, on the day of the event, it was also behind the scenes, right? Because the minutia of like, you know, handling all the little details and the emails and the phone calls and so on and so on um, was also very important. So like anything in life, you know, it's like sometimes, you know, there would be moments where, you know, you'd break in some respect, right? Where you would just almost feel like burnout moment. And then it would be like, okay, but wait, I'm learning. And, I'm, and, and to me, Roger, it was about working smartly and, and not wanting to take on every job because that to me didn't speak to my soul. And I said, somewhere in the middle, if not somewhere at the end, I would regret doing that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I took on whatever I could take on. But yes, staffing was then starting to become a little bit more real. Like I started then taking the interns on, you know, so it was like a process, right? Nothing happened overnight where now, you know, I have three to four on 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 staff versus like just having myself and maybe a half a person at a time and then maybe like bringing on the interns or family or friends or whomever to kind of help on the weekend of the event. But then you got some people that were probably really great that you noticed something special in that you've got the right stuff and you are detail oriented and you've got follow through and you're meticulous. And it's like, I want you on my team. So did you bring those people on? And and then they, maybe you got referrals from those people. Who else has these attributes that will help us go where we want to go, right? I'm just guessing that's how it would come together. Oh yeah, of course. It was like a trial and error, right? Yeah. Experiments. Yep. Right. Some would work out for the moment because mm-hmm. they either were moving on to something else or moving back home because they were up in New York for a hot second. Right. Some just stayed on because they were the real deal for me and I needed them and I needed to start leaning on them. So, um, and so I, I always, you know, looked at who's creative, obviously, because we needed someone to be creative, but I also was looking more towards the analytical logistical side of that individual because I, you know, I'm the visionary here. And of course I would o- always take on, you know, other people's, you know, views on things too, because mm-hmm. ego did not sort of fit in the equation. I'm a very, you know, kind of rooted individual. 
Um, and I'm always open to hear and listen because maybe I'm seeing something this way, but if someone says, Sophia, how about this? I'm always open to it. And if it, if I beg to differ because I didn't think it would fit in, whether it was budget wise or, or visual, you know, uh, from a visionary, you know, purpose, then I would say no. But I always welcome um, uh, other people's opinions because I'm not going to be perfect on everything that I do. Yeah, well, there's always going to be the element of human error and nobody's perfect, despite best intentions, despite incredible planning. It's like things can and will go sideways. And I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. We won't go too deep right now on that. But you mentioned some other names that were established um, people that were in this business did you have a goal to perhaps become at that level and you know you could just see yourself getting there and then being a, a threat uh, not threat but a, a viable competitor in a competitive space all sort of vying for this discerning clientele that we're talking about mm-hmm. the people that have the ultimate expectations to create these really amazing events and you could do some amazing event that literally just puts you on the map and there's such a buzz about that event and maybe mm-hmm. it gets media exposure and press mm-hmm. and then the celebrities catch win and then they say mm-hmm. one celebrity says oh wow i have to have her for this event i mean mm-hmm. did things go that way did it take a while to get there and I'm asking a lot of questions, but it's all kind of wrapped up into one. Let's talk yeah. about, is that was that your goal back then to be at that level really quickly? It was definitely my goal to be at that level, but I wouldn't say quickly. Okay. Um, because I always remembered, you know, a friend of mine saying, Sophia, slow and steady wins the race, slow and steady wins the race. And I'm like, I sometimes would come to that, but then yes, w- you know, was I sort of, and I use anxious, not in a negative way, but anxious to like, you know, like, yes, like I could do this and I can get to that level. And maybe it'll take me three months from now. Maybe it'll take me six months. I knew in my heart of all hearts that I was getting there. Awesome. It was just a matter mm-hmm. of like, Sophia, you've got, you've got to just, you know, play with your time. This is your time. It's not this person's time. It's not that person's time. Right. So it was timing for me. And of course, even again, you know, looking back, there were moments, of course, that I couldn't comprehend that but then when things would kind of fall in my lap i'd be like okay makes sense you see it wasn't supposed to come to you six months ago or two days ago it came now so i I was also the person that yeah of course i boasted about my like you know um uh successes or my pretty events but i also kind of reserved back a little bit i kind of create some intrigue perhaps Yes, I want, you know, and, and there's yeah. a big part of me that is that, but then there's a hmm. small part of me that, or even a bigger part of me that likes to share, right? Because I want, I want to inspire. That was, that I, I think I was born to do that, you know, on many different levels. And so, um, so things came to me in their own beautiful way. And Divine timing. Divine timing. Love it. Oh my God, Roger. I, I know that now more than ever. Right. I, I didn't know that. that at 30 years old. I know it now in my yeah. early 50s. Stayed the course, so. kept the faith, had the vision, and just relentlessly pursued that vision just because of the strong belief you had in it. I think that's exactly. beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Such a lesson for our audience in that it's like, 
you know, we've gone through the toughest of times in your business as well. I mean, the pandemic, unprecedented experience. Hopefully mm-hmm. hospitality mm-hmm. never sees anything to that extent. But all exactly. the people that are still standing after all the sort of leveling of the playing field and all the companies and businesses that went out of business. And now if you're still there, you, you're you resilient, you're resourceful, you're creative, and, mm-hmm. and you've got that passion and persistence. And you yes. really need that in this business. So you're an inspiration exactly. in that Thank regard. You. Let me yes. ask you about, um, let's go back to that competition thing, because- yeah. You know, some of the best advice to operators would be play your best game, but always know what your competitors are up to and do market research. And you got to go into your competitors' restaurants and kind of be a secret shopper all the time. Did they make a menu change? Um, What's appealing here? Is the service level extraordinary? It's like, what's going sideways? Because we've got a discerning eye. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how possible that is for you as an event um, you know, planner and an event company owner to always stay on top of what everyone else is doing. You hear about things after the fact, like, oh, that was, did you hear about what so-and-so did? That event was amazing and Oprah was there right. or whatever. You know what I mean. Right. But it's right, like, how do you right. know, how do you stay on top of what they're doing in order to play your best game? Do you even do that? You know, now we have the, the world of social media, right? Mm-hmm. So now oh, yes. we get to become voyeurs on right. our whatever crazy time mm-hmm. where we go. can just click and tap and be like, ooh, is that what she did? Oh, is that what he did? Um, and just be silent, right? So back in the day when I started, we didn't have that. So it was more about the verbal, oh, sorry, the verbal right. aspect, the verbal aspect of it all. So yes. it was like, oh, let's talk about it. You know, let's pick up the phone and let's talk to this person and hear like what it was about or, or, you know, at industry events, we'd come across each other and we'd, you know, kind of share. So yeah, we'd hear about it. Yeah. Um, you know, it intrigued me. Yeah. Of course, you know, you always want to try to up your game. Not necessarily. I never had this like, and I'm being honest and maybe, you know, I don't know, but I never had this like, oh, she did that. I want to see, I'm going to crush her and like go one up on her or whatever. Okay. Never did I ever That's good. Come That's taking the that. high road. <laughs> I yeah. never, I never felt that way. Was I, you know, jo- like uh, envious in a good way to be like, wow, that was amazing what she did. Like good for her or good for him. Um, but, you know, I also started forming these beautiful relationships in my industry where we just shared things and stories and we were, were able to kind of like help each other out versus awesome. like, collaboration, Let me you. right. And, uh, and I could say like yeah. a handful or so of those people, the rest, I kind of said, Hey, mm-hmm. how are you doing? Kept at a distance because yep. I can feel that was not aligning with me. So, um, so yeah, so it's just kind of like you, I just had to kind of play my cards in a way of the Sophia way. And however that way was, whether it was wrong or right, I played it. And whatever, you know, I've been grateful for whatever has come my way. And yeah, of course, is there still probably a good handful of like maybe destinations or types of, you know, um, events or whatever that I might still want to do? Sure. You know, um, but I'm okay also if whether it comes or not. <laughs> is there a certain size of event now that you specialize in, a certain number of people, a uh, certain number of elements that in there? I mean, do you get approached so much that you now curate the ones that really speak to you on a soul level or on a executional level? I mean, how do you decide which clients you're going to take on, especially unknown new clients, maybe? Sure. I mean, someone, and, and I don't, I'm not speaking ill about anyone, but let's face sure. it. I mean, there are certain people that, 
are really challenging to work with. You know, mm-hmm. they've, they've been mm-hmm. used to getting the best of the best since the time they were born. And it's like, I can afford to pay for anything, but it's like, I'm going to be on you every single detail. And if anything goes sideways, I mean, there are easy to work with clients yes. that are sophisticated discerning people. And then there are really challenging people to work with. And I'm sure you've right. come across all of that, but, and you work with the same people over again. I'm sure you get repeat yeah. business all the time, just based mm-hmm. on relationships you've already built, but let's just mm-hmm. talk about new clients. It's like, do you curate these events and do you decide who you're going to work with and who you don't? And do you refer mm-hmm. them to other people if you don't want to take one mm-hmm. on? Sure. So, you know, hitting close to 25 years now in September, um, I think I'm at a point in my life. Thank you. I'm awesome. at a point in my life where, um, yeah, now I sort of, I sort of even look at them a little bit more under the microscope where I like, it's an energy thing with me in the last probably five to 10 years. It's, it's like, I know some people will look at it, like, be like, oh my God, you know, it's a million dollar event. Who cares? I'm taking it. And okay. It can work towards your benefit and that's fine too. And I don't judge that. But for me, it has to feel good. Okay. Period. Like I know that sometimes the client might show something differently in in the first initial meeting or two. And you say, okay, wow, this is a good, this is a good one. And then they might come out of the woodwork somewhere in the middle and they become like this, you know, crazy person. I mean that in a funny way. I understand. Um, And, and, and I'm like, what the hell did I sign up for? You know? And I've, I've been through that. Right. However, I just, feel like I'm at a point in my life where I can handle that as well in a sense of like, okay, I do curate to, you know, um, feel, I curate where I can understand and, and, and feel that individual and see if it really talks to me from a creative, you know, standpoint, from a timing standpoint, from even a monetary standpoint to say, okay, this is going to be a lot of work. Do they understand, you know, that this is not going to be, you know, little some kind of, you know, fee here. Um, so I look at everything, but for me, it's an energy thing initially. And then I can, you know, handle, handle the rest. And I think, you know, I have really formed such a unique, um, way to how I speak with my clients and, you know, and that can mean different things, right? I, I could speak to them in sort of this confrontational way, like, Hey, let me just tell you that, you can't step on us or expect us at 2 a.m. that we're available to answer an email, right? Cordial yet um, assertive when you have to be. Yes, exactly. That's uh-huh. a beautiful way of putting it. Um, and um, and then the other ways are just like, I have this way where I kind of lure them. And even in their heightened, most nervous you know, moment, I bring them down. And so my girls see that and they crack up sometimes. They're like, oh my God, how do you even like do that? I'm like, you know, I think it's just been practice all these yeah. years, you know? Sure. And and even away like, you people. know, and a way of people even doing my own therapy, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and discovering things about myself, you know, that you'll gain more flies with honey than with S H I T. So of course. Um, so you can pick your battles, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. at the end of the day, I want this to go smooth. I want to have a load of freaking fun doing this because what are we creating here? We're not creating brain surgery. We're not doing something morbid or dark. We're creating a beautiful celebration. We're creating, you know, um, a moment that it's a one-shot deal for some, right? If it's a wedding. But you <laughs> really have... 
you've got a client, but then you've got hundreds of other clients. And I use the word client, meaning you have to over-deliver to the client's expectations, but then you have to please hundreds of other people, all with different personalities and expectations exactly. to like dazzle everybody. Right. And the vendors right? too, right? Because the yeah. vendors are, yeah. my vendors are like my main people here. Okay. Because mm -hmm. we have to look out for each other. At the end of the day, we are creating something for you, that being the client. So if I I don't have a great relationship with my vendors. I don't care what kind of special celebrity client or billionaire client or whatever is coming my way. It means nothing. If I don't have that tribe of a team behind me, then I don't stand, I can't do this on my own. So they're my first people before anyone. So, and right. my vendors know that. And I adore so many of my vendors as they adore me. And so they will go to bat for me if I say, no, 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 no. you got to deliver on this or else. And they're like, Sophia, I got you. So, Beautiful. So yeah, there is a there's there is a curating you know element to this. Otherwise, it just it just won't work. Let me introduce you to GoTab. GoTab is a restaurant commerce platform with a suite of solutions, including POS, online ordering, mobile pay, and even a kitchen management tool. Now you know I'm all about maximizing sales, but did you know that operators using the GoTab platform see 35 to 50 percent higher check averages and 20 percent higher tips? Wow, that can be a real game changer to your bottom line. Now, the GoTab platform empowers you, the operator, to run a leaner and more profitable business. Listen to what some current GoTab customers have to say. Kent says, with real-time analytics, we can manage our plate costs. When we switched to GoTab, we were able to lower our labor costs and increase wages. Ian shares that our chefs and managers love to use GoTab. The backend is well thought out, intuitive, and easy to use. While Keem adds that the GoTab team is always available for us and extremely responsive. Now, GoTab's flexible, easy-to-use solutions will simplify your operations, putting you in control of your restaurant's success. Visit GoTab.com slash Rockstars today to sign up for a free demo and get qualified to receive a complimentary meal. That's GoTab.com slash Rockstars. We talked about all the detailed elements that go into this. And I, I always say that the restaurant business is one of a thousand details. And this certainly may take mm -hmm. that to the next level. Maybe there's 2000 details in a really, you know, high level event that has hundreds mm -hmm. of people attending it. And it's everything from the flowers to the photography, to the venue itself, to the, right. to the weather that is so unpredictable mm -hmm. to, you know, to the beauty that you bring inside through lighting and decor and ambiance and creating a vibe. And then there's music mm -hmm. and then there's table place settings. And then there's, well, I don't have to tell you your business, but you know what I mean? There's 2000 yeah, yeah. details to this, but there are certain elements that are foundational to a great event. Is that a handful right. of things? Is that 10 things? What would you say is really absolutely foundational that everything else builds upon to have a truly spectacular event go off without a hitch? I think being on the same page, like knowing that we've all gotten each other and we know now how to sort of build from there because I think when there's a rocky moment or two or 10 in the, in the sort of midst of planning this event mm -hmm. or any event, a lot of things can go wrong. So, and yes, and also, you know, some things can go wrong even when you do have this simpatico kind of moment too. Cause yes. like you said, whether it's weather, whether it's like, Oh crap, the cake is melting or, or something is happening. Um, so, I think it's an understanding. I think it's 
the, um, the, the timing of, of knowing that at this point, no matter how maybe even controlling or, or nervous the client might be that you have to, again, assure them that there's no guarantee in anything in life. However, we're going to make this work no matter what. Um, and I really, really, really stand strong on this, that the fun part is a really important element to me. Um, because when I say fun, I'm not saying like, you know, we're blowing off things and just be like, okay, just show up at the party. We'll have a good time. No, Mm -hmm. but to remind them that this is like, they have to take every part of it in and they have to be able to enjoy it while they're at it. Um, otherwise this kind of goes like poof. Doesn't matter if it's a year we're working with you or three months or even like where I've made magic and made a wedding happen in a week. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, as long as we have all the right people, you know, in, in place, I do believe everything follows no matter what is going to happen. It will all work out. Is there a typical timeline to say one of these major events? Is it like months of planning? Can you pull something off in three or four weeks, depending on the scope and the scale? Mm -hmm. I have done three to four weeks. I had to move even a wedding um, to a different location on the week of, um, and that was Robert Downey's wedding. Um, So yeah, we had to make a crazy change like 40 days before the wedding. And so, yes, I can make it happen. So you thrive under pressure when you have to, but you'd prefer to have a more leisurely Uh process and things kind of shift and evolve. And just because this is the initial plan doesn't mean the client doesn't change it two or three times, which then pushes your stress level up perhaps, or your timing is no, if you do that, we absolutely will not make the deadline. I mean, you've got to make hard decisions in this sometimes too. And say no, right? Uh, Yes. And you know, I think people forget to say no, because I, you know, yeah. we always want to, you know, try to please everyone by saying yes, 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 yes. And the yes is a great answer and a great sort of mindset. However, we also have to be real and, and, and also look at the timing of things and what have you. And no is not a bad thing either. And I have definitely um, acquired more of the no's in my life than yeses. Mm-hmm. Let's transition a little bit and let's talk about your restaurant. Now you're the co-owner of a restaurant. Now, how did that yes. relationship come to be and what's your involvement there? And once you tell me that, then let's talk about how some of the details that go into spectacular events also find their way into delivering amazing mm-hmm. guest experiences in the restaurant. So just a sidebar for a second, you know, I had this as, I don't know, I think it was maybe in my teens where I had this like, Maybe one day I'll own a restaurant and it'll be like a restaurant and a pretty little like area where I create flowers in the front. And they also buy the flowers and come in for, you know, whether it was a coffee, like cafe place or a little like eatery of some sort. Mm-hmm. And of course, as I got older, I'm like, that is nuts. I would never go into the restaurant business. And here I am now, probably eight or nine years ago where, um, you know, Chris, my husband had the space because he had two previous other restaurants there and he was just ready to give up the lease. He's like, you know, I'm done. I go, yeah, you should be done. This is, this is maddening. You already have your other, you know, um, business and I have my events. I'm like, we don't need a restaurant. This is nuts. And so cut two, I 
started designing mood boards for the restaurant. And I'm like, oh my God, because people were telling us, you have to open up a Greek restaurant. This is nuts. Nowhere in the Hamptons is there really a Greek restaurant. And you guys being Greek need to have this. And I said, no, 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 I'm not getting into this. And so, um, like I said, here I am designing the mood boards and I'm going into the path of, you know, restaurant business. And so for me, you know, as I, you know, wholeheartedly kind of gave into this idea with my husband, I knew in my heart that transitioning also into this part of, you know, the world, that being the restaurant business, it would kind of come naturally because why my events, you know, sort of paved the ground. Really? Yeah. So much crossover there. So much crossover. It's all about hospitality. It is a hundred percent. And I think any young kids that are, or young teenagers or adults are listening to this, everyone should go into some type of hospitality, some time in their life to understand what hospitality really means. And, and I think it kind of forms us in a way where we not only become cognizant of the people around us and what we're here to serve, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, food from, you know, a, you know, a restaurant or me planning events or, or the concierge at a hotel or what have you. It, I think people really need to really get a little taste of that in their life. So I got into this business with my husband and I knew that again, like this, like I said, would, it would be an easy transformation because I was bringing so much of what I knew in the events world. And that being, you know, the curation of what is the space, you know, going to feel like when you walk in, not just from the inside, but the moment you're pulling up, like the outside has to be, you know, beautiful, like whether it's the potted plants and the flowers to the pretty furniture to what have you. The first impression is so important. And then all the impressions that follow, followed by the last thing you think of or see as you're leaving the event, it all goes together. It all and, goes together. Oh yeah, I hear you. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. No, 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 no. But it does. It go all, all you know, every night as I yeah. tell my staff, I don't tell them this every night, but I have drilled that in into their heads that every night is an event here. So that means at 445 before we open our doors, uh candles need to be um, you know, in place. Are my flowers that I left two days ago that I created, are they um, wilting? Um, Does the water look murky? That needs to get changed. You know, are the menus clean? Um, Is the music at the right, you know, volume? Um, What's the kitchen doing? Are they ready to roll exactly at five when the first customer and or, you know, takeout order calls in or what have you? Um, You know, uh, down to every nook and cranny from the cleanliness to the, from the back to the front to everywhere. Um, and so that was a piece of cake to kind of go into, right? Because I had to just, you know, be that sort of, you know, um, inspirational human being, not a drill sergeant to sort of let them into my world as well and understand the ethos of where we were going with this restaurant. That being like as if you were dining at Sophia and Chris's home, right? Um, and mm-hmm. and sort of having that extension. I you know, Chris, you know, owns the largest wine and spirit um, store in the Hamptons. And so, you know, he's knowing the world of wines and spirits, that was going to be obviously his, you know, forte, along with some operational, um, you know, back-end operations and so forth, right? I know I was bringing in sort of, 
the the um, all the details that you can imagine, and also being heavily involved in the menu development and the food and making sure that the ingredients were on point, making sure that we were ordering the top quality of everything because I wanted everyone to really feel that love of Greek food, you know, through entering, you know, Alea Estiatorio into our, our restaurant and then leaving like happily, you know, yes. as they would exit. Yes. So, every, every dining experience is an event and it is a celebration and it's something memorable and it's something that you want to just spread your experience with the world through social media, through friends and family, right. however you do it. It's like, yeah, you're bringing the Greek culture to life. You're bringing amazing quality ingredients and, you know, the curated wines and, and spirits that you might serve based on your husband's expertise. Who does the cooking? Um, so we've had numerous different chefs, as you know, we know how chefs are in this world. Mm -hmm. We love them, yes. but you know, sometimes they have to move on and so forth. Always. And, and so right now we're in this transitional period where we're actually trying to find a new chef. However, my the kitchen also works without one. And we've been very lucky to have some really amazing chefs in our kitchen that have come through. Some have stayed for a hot, you know, whatever, two minutes, and the others have stayed two or three years. Um, and so uh, you're looking at her or you're hearing her right now. So it's me in the sense that where I'm not doing the cooking, of course, we have a whole kitchen that pretty much has been with us from day one because the loyalty that we also you know, we take care of our people and especially being out in the Hamptons, Roger, you know, trying to find staff out there, you know, whether it's seasonal now, it's not really become as seasonal as it used to be when I first, you know, went out there. Kids go back and to now, college, you lose a whole bunch of people. Uh, exactly. So whether it's back of the house, front of the house, what mm -hmm. have you, um, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a revolving door constantly. Um, Expensive so, to live. So you need housing. It's like all these things in resort areas and especially exactly. luxury areas. Do they have to commute long distances and all those exactly. things are overcoming, you know, those challenges clearly. Exactly. So yeah. of, of course, having that main, you know, that mm -hmm. main person, that being a chef in the kitchen. So anyone that's listening, if you're interested, you know, reach out to us. Um, but, but you have to have knowledge of Greek food or else. It's not yeah, happening. Yeah. So, no, that's, anyway. that's absolutely foundational <laughs> to that. The exactly. cuisine is very non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. So, yeah. um, so, but it's been sort of also one of my, my tasks that I'm happily, you know, um, I've happily been, you know, sort of incorporating and, and putting time into, um, and that being like creating specials for the weekends and maybe going to a local farm and saying, okay, what do you have? You know, whether it's, whether it's the corn, the tomatoes, or any, you know, sort of collard greens or what have you, to sort of maybe come back and be like, okay, we're going to do a special this weekend, and this is what it's going to be. There's amazing so, farms out there as well. Like Long Island yes. has amazing farms and farmers and fresh produce, and the farmers yes. markets in the Hamptons are over the top. It's yes. extraordinary what you can choose from, basically, yes. as your core yes. ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. So... So people really love our food. And so, um, you know, I've been really sort of, you know, of course, at the beginning, like any restaurant, you got to work out your kinks, you know, it, there's drama here, there's drama there, what customer is having a fit because their food came out five minutes later, of you know, so, so, you know, all these were sort of, you know, things I had to learn and had to really like, understand, even though we had a manager, of course, and, and a chef at the time, but 
you know, these were all, all sort of trial and errors, again, for me in this sort of line of business that I swore I would never get into. <laughs> and you're still wearing a lot of hats, right? Because you're running an event company, you're an inspired leader mm-hmm. there. It sounds like you're also an inspired leader at the restaurant. You're working with your husband, which is challenging in some cases. Not everyone can work with a spouse or a partner. And I'm yes. a testament to that. I've worked with you know my spouse for a long, long time. So yeah. not everybody can do it, but it's a juggling act, right? Is there a typical it day is- for you, Sophia? I mean- it, it must be all all different all the time or sometimes days blend together and it's like, what day is it? <laughs> it's a combination of everything you just mentioned. So yeah. there's a typical day where, yes, I can start my day with my meditation process, with you know, journaling, with like, you know, having my cup of tea or, or coffee, uh-huh. you know, yeah. dog, do you know, walking too. my dog and all that stuff. And, uh-huh. and, um, and, you know, diving into, you know, splitting myself up in half, like one minute I'm on event mode, the next minute I'm like answering restaurant questions and, and showing up in my restaurant. If I'm not in the city where, you know, I'll work out of my home for my events. And then at three o'clock, I'm like, okay, it's a wrap. I got to go to the restaurant now to check in. So, um, you know, I, I, it changed. Sometimes I can be consistent for two, three days and other times I'm like, you'd be a crazy woman. So whatever it is, it is. I take it. I've embraced it. Um, and I'm just going with it. So let's talk about the bottom line to your businesses, because you started the conversation by saying you're a creative type. You never wanted to go into business and economics and all that stuff just kind of send you sideways. Yet profitability is the part and parcel of what we do. Yes, we want to have fun. Yes, we want to employ people and create better lives for them. Yes, we want to get the accolades and the gratification of serving the public Mm -hmm. because we have a passion for hospitality, but everything still has to make money. And with the event company, every event is so completely different. It's not like you've Mm -hmm. got a menu and you should routinely cost it out to make sure you're maintaining Mm -hmm. your margins. It's like every event is different and this one requires this and that one requires that. So there's tons of research involved. Mm -hmm. Do you have a specialist that just sort of dials in, does the research, figures out what the cost is, what the market is on that element that's going to be spectacular when they first walk in? And then the same thing happens with the restaurant. Like who's in charge of maintaining margins and making sure that it's a profitable enterprise? So with my event business, I do. I have two people that I sort of console with. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, I think I know the the dynamics and the equation, if you will, on how to sort of price myself because I do work off of percentage. Yes. Um, so, um, so that is now easy breezy. You know, um, because at the beginning it was like, okay, even though that wonderful woman, you know, guided me and, and, you know, um, you know, sort of led that paved road for me to kind of get on and, and figure it out myself. Um, you know, my first gig was $2,500. I mean, that's what I got for a crazy full service wedding. I mean, who would have thunk it that now I'm in, you know, I could be as high as in the six figures. Right. So, certainly. so, um, so times, you know, obviously evolve, you know, you learn, you, you become more confident. And so I'm okay in that area in regards to the restaurant. end, of course, it's between myself, my, you know, Chris, my husband, our general manager, we look at numbers, we have a bookkeeper who obviously, you know, shows us, you know, our, our numbers and where we're, you know, and our projections that I sit with her and I kind mm-hmm. of like say, okay, this is season number X that's coming up. What are we projecting? You know, are we hitting the numbers? You know, so yeah. there you go. of course, like any, any restaurant, you know, at the beginning, there's, there's no profit, like there's zero, like you don't see a profit the first couple of years. 
the, uh, but you know, unfortunately, I'm sorry. Fortunately, I meant to say the la- the last three years were in the in the you know green in the green zone. So, which is a great thing. How old is um, the business I, now, Sophia? How how when was it years. established? Seven years in the restaurant gig. Yeah. Okay. So wow. cool. um, seven years. Yeah, and and uh-huh. about almost nine years ago, give or take eight right. years. We we started you know the ball going of like are we doing it are we not I said no yes no okay mm-hmm. boom we started it so yeah and you're commuting back and forth between the city and the Hamptons frequently I mean I do some I yes if need be I do um, in the summertime I do a lot out there so um, I don't really need to be commuting that much but uh, but again wherever the clients want to take me to as far as like you know if we want to go abroad if we want to you know awesome. Go, Uh, however yeah that's that's very exciting like what amazing opportunities that are potentially there and extraordinary life Mm -hmm. experiences too and if you bring your team along with you right i think you Mm -hmm. you said every young person should experience hospitality and and get Mm -hmm. your feet wet in that business and i think we would agree that life skills are learned in this business without necessarily a formal education what you learn in dealing with people and in negotiating perhaps and salesmanship and hospitality and just, mm-hmm. you know, over, de- yeah, all of that is like, can all take that. you anywhere in life. It's it amazing. can take you anywhere. And, yeah. and I, I anywhere see in the world too, not just career wise. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I tell that to my young nieces. I'm like, yep. get your hands involved, you know, even if it's two days a week, you know, I know you have, you know, this job going on, whatever. just get into something that, you know, really you know, where there's people connection, you know, because we lack that today, right? I wouldn't We're, disagree with you. We do. I don't have children, but I see the electronic children. world is kind of taken over and we're not necessarily outdoors as kids as we were when you and I grew up exactly. and just the interaction, the social interaction is lacking. The pandemic exactly. made everybody remote learning and they were in school. It's like my kids went through all that. So I totally right. follow. And now that we're out of that, right. You don't want to fall into those bad habits and lose those social skills. Exactly. Because we really, that is, the I think, the foundation of, of it all. So let's talk about yeah. your company culture. Um, and that's yeah. probably twofold. Maybe there's some overlap, but let's first talk about the events company and then we can talk about the restaurant. I mean, culture mm-hmm. is really obviously the spirit of the place. It's not a mission statement on the wall, it's the spirit right. of the place. How would you define the company culture in both your operations? Hmm. Um, it's interesting that you say the word spirit, because when we were creating our ethos for the website, mm-hmm. at first, I was stuck on, and I say stuck in a good way, stuck on the word spirit, because it is about the spirit and the spirit of it being on a high note, not on a low note, because again, we're in the happy you know, world of events. We're not, you know, we're not doing anything that's on the dark side of things, you know? So, so the spirit for me needs to be in sync. It needs to feel good for everyone that is involved. Um, whether it's my internal staff, whether it's again, like I said earlier about the clients, but the spirit is, there's a, there's an elegance to the spirit. There's a sophistication to the spirit. There's mm-hmm. um, a simplicity to the spirit. And then there's this like no kind of holding back, like whatever, you know, feels good that I just want to kind of get there. I, I just go there. Right. So um, 
there's like no holding back. I just want to feel free. So there's this free, beautiful spirit, I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, my, my event company. Great. So would you say a lot of that carries over to the restaurant as well? And a A thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. A thousand percent. You know, um, it's, uh, it's something that I also, I also embed, you know, in, in the, in our staff, you know, when I am involved in the pre-shift meetings, if it's, you know, my manager is the one obviously running them, but Mm-hmm. I do like to always pipe in at least three times a week, if need be, and hear what you know my manager is talking about, and, and hear if there's any you know comments or any discerns you know from the from the staff. However, I always remind them like how much of a great word is traveling around the Hamptons, if not the city, about our place and our service, and what we stand for, and our, our food and everything. So. I think the love of it all, when yes. you love something, Roger, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to pour yourself into it. So I think we've, I think I've done a lot of that. And yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah. I keep that word inspired keeps coming up because you're an inspired person. Yeah. You clearly understand hospitality. You clearly have high yes. expectations, not only for your team, but yourself and your businesses. It's all a reputational thing, especially where mm-hmm. your businesses are located. And every person mm-hmm. that works for you as a team member needs to feel that teamwork and respect, but also understand mm-hmm. that they're brand ambassadors for your business. And that they represent you every single day. And you're only as good as that last experience that any one of your team delivered to a guest. And those impressions are lasting. Yes, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've been a fantastic guest. We shared so much and I can't I Thank can't wait you. to release the episode. Thank you so much, Sophia. Thank you too, Roger. This was a pleasure. My pleasure entirely. Thanks for being with okay. us. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thanks so much to our audience for tuning in. Can't wait to see you in the next episode. Hope everyone stays well, and we'll see you then. Sophia, I can't thank you enough for being a wonderful guest on the podcast. Your insights, your expertise, and experience, as well as your enthusiasm, is a huge benefit to our audience. So thanks for being with us. Thanks to our sponsors and audience. Can't wait to see you next time. Please stay tuned. People go to restaurants for lots of reasons. For fun, celebration, for family, for lifestyle. What the customer doesn't know is the thousands of details it takes to run a great restaurant. This is a high-risk, high-fail business. It's hard to find great staff. Costs are rising and profits are disappearing. It's a treacherous road and smart operators need a professional guide. I'm Roger. I've started many highly successful, high-profit restaurants that I've now sold for millions of dollars. I'm passionate about helping other owners and managers not just succeed, but knock it out of the park. I created a game-changing system, and it's filled with everything I've learned in over 20 years running super profitable, super fun restaurants. Everything from creating high-profit menu items and cost controls, to staff training where your teams serve and sell, to marketing hooks, money-maximizing tips, and efficiencies across your operation. What does this mean to you? More money to invest in your restaurant, to hire a management team, time freedom, and peace of mind. You don't just want to run a restaurant. You want to dominate your competition and create a lasting legacy. Join the Academy, and I'll show you how it's done. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.